Before you can truly see the beauty of loving and serving Jesus, some spiritual blinders need to come off. Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. Do you see God's remedy? We're introduced to the way of salvation. Listen, this is the remedy. This is what you have to catch. God's remedy is to send missionaries to rich girls and poor girls as servants of the Most High God, proclaiming the way of salvation, no matter whether they are rich or poor, men or women, boys or girl, Gentile or Jew. Protestant or Catholic, there is only one way to salvation. It is through Jesus Christ. That is the only remedy for sin. Today we'll hear about two women from vastly different backgrounds, but who both had a basic spiritual need in common. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Over the past weeks, we've seen the importance of lifting up our eyes to get them above our daunting circumstances. We've been challenged to lift our eyes when disaster strikes. And we've come to understand that lifting our eyes means seeing people with Jesus' eyes. We've also gained insight on what it means to see with missional eyes. And last week, we started looking at the fact that open eyes really do look for open hearts. To listen back to any of these programs, you can find them at harvestgranger.org slash resonate. One of the hearts that got opened in Acts chapter 16 was a wealthy woman named Lydia. Pastor Trent talked about her last week, but there's another person that Paul and Silas encountered in their missionary journey, a girl with a very painful story. Let's listen now to Pastor Trent. So we're going to see five questions here this morning that I'm going to ask you from this narrative of Scripture. Uh, The first question is simply this. Do you see the rich girl? Paul was a man. These were women. Paul was Jewish. They were Gentile. Paul was not rich, but we're about to find out the woman he's going to talk to is rich. So it says that one of these women, verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. We are missing missional opportunities if we don't go after those who are advantaged in this world. Because according to Jesus, they got a harder time getting to heaven than the rest of us. And so we need to understand, we have to say the words of the gospel to fill a hole in their hearts that money can never fill. How do you know when God's opening a rich person's heart? They start to feel an unexplainable emptiness. That even though I've got everything the world could offer, it still doesn't satisfy. That's who you're looking for to go and have a gospel conversation with. God has to open the heart not only to the poverty of the soul, God has to open the heart to the exclusivity of worship. The Bible says she was a worshiper of God. To whatever degree she was a worshiper of God, she wasn't an exclusive worshiper to God. As a matter of fact, maybe she was going through the motions of her prayers and her practice of religion, and yet she'd never been introduced 
to the one who was God, Jesus Christ. Not until Paul opened his mouth and shared about Jesus did she have the opportunity to bridge the distance between her and this God that she worshiped way out there. Let me ask you this question. Even though the Bible says she was a worshiper of God before she heard about Jesus, now that she heard about Jesus, if she'd rejected Jesus, would she have gone to heaven or hell? Hell, why? Because she rejected the very one who was God. Whatever her false understanding is of the God that she worshiped, it wasn't the accurate God in the person of Jesus Christ. I am burdened for so many people that maybe grew up religious. You grew up with sacraments and catechisms and forms and ceremonies of religion. You walked through all these religious ornate ceremonies because you thought you were worshiping God. And yet, if you think that somehow any of that is a substitute for the only thing that could save your soul, Jesus on a cross in my place as a substitute for my sin, if you're taking that and all the ceremonial religion, it's false worship. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that brings salvation to the soul, the exclusivity of worship. God's got to open your heart to that. And if he opens your heart to the only one who can save, you will reject everything else that you think can save you. God has to open your heart to the filthiness of sin. Did you notice what happened after she paid attention to what Paul was saying? Very next report we have. And after that, she was baptized. Now, I want you to imagine this, okay? She's already by a riverside, and she's wearing purple. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Most rivers that you've seen, do you think of purple? Do you think of clear? What do you think of? Brown, dirty, filthy water. Here is this rich girl in this rich outfit, this beautiful, costly garment. Externally, she was beautiful, but God opened her heart to the filthiness on the inside. And maybe for the first time in her life, she saw the ugliness of her sin before God. And she repented of it. She trusted Christ for salvation. She was internally clean. But it says she was baptized. A lot of churches have a lot of crazy ideas about baptism. Listen, it's so simple in the scripture. In order for us to demonstrate that we are a follower of Christ, the Lord calls us as Christians, the first act of obedience for a Christian is baptism. What is baptism? I've explained this before, but you're telling the story of Jesus who lived, died for our sin, was buried, and raised to new life. And what you say when you're baptized is like, I'm with that guy, that guy that was buried, raised, that's me, that's my team, I'm on that team. I want everybody to know it. I don't care who knows it. I, that's, and you're telling a second story. You're telling this, I was alive, but I realized that because of my sin, my sin killed me. What do you do with a person who's been killed? Bury them. But good news is I got brand new life in Jesus. We're starting over. You're telling your story. And we get to do that in the dirtiest water we can find. I don't know what you think it looks like up here. It's kind of gross. And that's good because you're thinking, because the default thing in the human mind is thinking that somehow water washes sin. 
Water doesn't wash sin. There's only one liquid that washes sin. That's blood, blood of Jesus. And it's not on the outside. It's on the inside that your problem is. Your problem's a heart, nothing on the outside. You can't wash away anything on the outside thinking it's going to affect anything on the inside. Lydia understands this. She says, I want to be baptized, but do you see what she does? She goes down beautiful on the outside. And she comes up beautiful on the inside. Because God has washed away the filthiness of her sin on the inside. Now listen, be careful. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't wash sin. It is the external expression of something that God does when he opens the heart. Have you been baptized? Or have you just gone through the religious ceremony? Maybe you were baptized when you were a little kid and all that stuff. As a believer that God has opened your heart, have you been baptized as a way of demonstrating that you have understood your sin is filthy, your worship must be exclusive, and your soul needs to be filled because it's, it's enslaved with poverty. Look down at verse 15. The last thing it says here, after she was baptized and her household, she urged us saying, if you judge me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and stay there. And she prevailed on us. Do you know what happens when God opens the heart of a rich person? They open their home and they open their hands and they say, God, you want something I've got? I mean, you've you've given me a lot of resources here. You want some of that? Do you know what Lydia did? She became the one that started funding the ministry of the missionaries. You, you may have thought, you're kind of talking derogatory to the rich people. No, no, no. We like rich people around here. We, we think you should make all the money you possibly can. As long as your heart is open and your hands are open, we got big vision around here. We might need some more square footage around here someday, and it's expensive. So we need the rich people who have hearts that are open to God, who will open their hands to God and say, let's all get busy being missional with the message of the gospel. And by the way, you're all rich. So are your hands open? Is your heart open? If your hands aren't open, it's a demonstration your heart's not open. So here's the second thing. Not only do you see the rich girl, do you see the poor girl? There's another girl in the story. He's like, when are we going to get to this man that gave the Macedonian call? Well, he's next week. But look at verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, I love it. They went back to the place of prayer because they scored the first time. They're like, that's brutal. Let's go there. Fruitful. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. Now, this girl could not have been more different than Lydia. First of all, Lydia was known. This girl was anonymous. We don't even have her name. As I've been studying it this week, I named her. Her name is now Linda. Okay, so we have Lydia in the first story. I have Linda in the second story. I have no idea what her name was, but I call her Linda. So Linda is a slave girl, rich or poor. Resources or no resources? No resources. She was a slave girl, and that was not her, being poor was not her biggest problem. This was her biggest problem. Um, she had a spirit of divination. That's not great. Um, what does that mean? Now, we're reading our English translations here, and this is really hard to translate, but if you read the original language, this is what it says. It says, she had a spirit of python. I don't know. If you're a single guy in here and you're looking for a girl, and she's got a spirit of python, you probably need to keep looking, all right? 
I mean, that's not a great trait, I don't think, uh, in, in, in a woman. But she, so, so here's the thing. She was from a Greek culture. Greek had all these, you know, polytheistic religion and gods. And they had this, they had this god, they called him the Oracle of Delphi. And Oracle of Delphi had a temple, and it was said that the Delphi temple was guarded by pythons. And so they interpreted her being out of control, her speaking in strange noises, and her being really annoying as having a spirit of python. She's like the pythons have her. That's, that's what she was known for. Now we know biblically, through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of the Spirit, we know what she really had. She was demonized. She had evil spirits that were controlling her behavior. Does that sound a little spooky? You're like, it's about to get weird in here. It's like, do you think that still happens in 2017? Sure it does. I mean, there's only two teams, right? We have the Holy Spirit. How many of you are pro-Holy Spirit? Okay, good. That's our team. That's our team, Holy Spirit. And if you're, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, there's only one other side. Those are evil spirits controlled by Satan himself. And so she had those influences in her life, all right? Now listen, the more you open yourself to things of the spirit world that are not Holy Spirit controlled, the more susceptible you are to being controlled by an evil spirit, okay? So if you're into like horoscopes and tarot cards and palm reading, there's a palm reader in Granger. Why do we need a palm reader in Granger? I don't know. I don't know. So we have all that. And if like you're really into the darkness scene and like horror movies and what's coming up at the end of October and you're just like, oh, I just can't wait. There's a lot. Like, that, that is not our team, okay? That is not our team. So we are pro-Holy Spirit people around here. She was not yet, so she was controlled, influenced by these demons. And it says also that she brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. Somehow through the influence of these demons, she was telling the future. Verse 17 says, she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. True or false? True. So what's the problem? I mean, that sounds like a pretty good introduction. Next week, when Ben introduces me, now coming to bring us God's Word today is a servant of the Most High God who bring to you the way of salvation, Trent Griffith. Let's all stand and applaud. I'm like, I could, I, I could, I could follow that, right? So what's Paul have a problem with? It goes on, verse 18. And this she kept doing many days over and over and over. These men are servants of the Most High God and they proclaim to you the way of salvation. These men are servants of the Most High God. They proclaim to you the way of salvation. How many of you think that would get a little annoying? Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's exactly what happened. It says, um, she kept doing this many days and Paul, having become greatly... I, I've never been more a fan of Paul. Having become greatly annoyed. I'm so glad we get to see the dark side of Paul in this passage right here. As a preacher of the gospel, I can sympathize with Paul. When you are trying to preach the gospel, and there is a baby that's preaching something else. Or, worst of all, there is a cell phone that rings. And the person doesn't know how to turn the thing off. Or worse, they answer the phone. And continue the conversation. 
I'm sorry. It's just therapeutic for me. Just to, I'm just, I have a high view of scripture around here. I just didn't want to take a moment to lose that moment. So, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, notice he doesn't say this to the girl, he says it to the spirit. He wasn't annoyed by the girl. He was annoyed by the spirit. And he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. I have resisted the temptation to cast the demon out of the cell phone (laughs) so far. Pray for me. So here we have this girl. She's a poor girl. She is being exploited. She is being used. She is being abused. This was human trafficking. It's likely that she was sexually abused and taken advantage of. These men that were using her for gain were her pimps. And this was an awful, tragic reality. Do you see her? She's out there. She doesn't have resources. She doesn't have money. She doesn't have freedom at all. She's owned. Unlike Lydia, who was the owner... Linda is owned and controlled. And God has to open her heart too. God has to open the heart of someone who is poor. They need to have their heart open to the cruelty of their owner. So many people that are used and abused and controlled and exploited think this is the best I can do. And yet she needed to understand she could upgrade her owner. By the way, you don't have an option of whether or not you're owned you do have a choice as to who your owner will be. You're going to serve somebody. Somebody wrote a song about that. You're going to be a slave to somebody. You're either going to be a slave to sin and you're going to be abused by it. You're going to be manipulated by it. You're going to be exploited by it. Or you're going to be a slave to God who has nothing but the best interest for you and for Him for His glory and your good. That's why He gives you commands. God has to open hearts to the authority of the Most High God. It's an interesting fact that she uses that specific phrase. She could have used all kinds of different phrases to describe God. God has a lot of different titles. And she could have had the the most gracious God. She could have said the sovereign God, the God of the universe. She uses a very specific phrase, the Most High God. Where else do we see that in Scripture? Isaiah chapter 14 gives us a glimpse into eternity past. And we see Lucifer, the worship leader in heaven, gets tired of directing all the glory and the praise to the Most High God. And so he says, in Isaiah 14, 14 says, I will be like the Most High. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is confronted by a demon spirit who's possessing a, a girl. And that spirit says to Jesus, Why are you tormenting us, son of the most high God? And so, there's something about this idea of God being most and highest and best that annoys Satan. He wants that place. And He wants that place in your life. He wants you in some place to say in your life, I will be God. I will not allow God to rule. I will not allow God to reign. I will be God. 
and no one's going to tell me what to do. You ain't the boss of me. That's what Satan does. That, that's, the, that's the spirit of divination right there. It's like that's not just reserved for some psycho, demon-possessed man in Las Vegas. That is on us if we don't resist it. God has to open hearts to the power of Jesus' name. Notice when Paul cast that demon out, he was very specific. And he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Why did he invoke Jesus' name? Because Jesus' name reminded that demon of Jesus' work on the cross where Satan was defeated and Jesus crushed the head of Satan and by his resurrection proved to be the most high God. And Paul knew Paul didn't have a right to be obeyed, but Jesus did. God has to open your heart to the power that is available to those that are enslaved, that are in bondage of sin, even past abuses by those that have owned you. And God has to open hearts to the way of salvation. These are servants of the Most High God that proclaim to you the, not a, the one way of salvation, namely through the sacrificial atoning work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Those are gospel conversations. And there are people out there that have been exploited and abused and used that find those things hard to believe. And we offer them the way out. Third question. Do you see the universal problem? As much as Lydia and Linda were different, they had the same basic need. Both of them had spiritual bankruptcy. Even though Linda had all the riches in the world, she couldn't buy her way to salvation. Even though Linda had nothing, she was a slave, she was spiritually bankrupt. That was her bigger problem. And both of them were in spiritual bondage. Lydia was enslaved to making a greater sale, building her business, getting more money, manufacturing more purple. And Linda was enslaved by her owner. Do you see God's remedy? We're introduced to the way of salvation. Listen, this is the remedy. This is what you have to catch. God's remedy is to send missionaries to rich girls and poor girls as servants of the Most High God, proclaiming the way of salvation, no matter whether they are rich or poor, men or women, boys or girl, Gentile or Jew, Protestant or Catholic, there is only one way to salvation. It is through Jesus Christ. That is the only remedy for sin. I got one more question. Do you see yourself? I've been talking to the missionaries that I am about to kick out of here to go talk to the poor girls and the, and the rich girls. But the truth is, there's Lydia's and Linda's in this room right now. There are some people with great resources, and maybe you're not rich financially, but you're rich relationally. Things are going well there. Maybe you're rich socially, you're popular, you're well-liked. And it is very hard for you to believe it when I say you are spiritually bankrupt before God. I mean, everybody likes you. Why wouldn't God? Look how blessed I am. God must really be pouring a lot of blessings on me. He must really find me a faithful servant. 
Really? Have you ever humbled yourself and acknowledged that your worship has not been exclusive? That your soul is impoverished? Have you ever taken off the external beauty and seen the filthiness of your soul and the one remedy that God has provided for that? Have you been baptized? If not, at the end of this service, there's going to be pastors here. They would love to receive you, to talk to you about these things, and to schedule your baptism as one that would say, my only hope of heaven is not what I've done, but it's what Jesus has done. He who was rich became poor so that we who are poor could become spiritually rich. And there are some of you here that if the truth was known, you've been abused, hurt, exploited, mistreated. It's not, it's not, not been great for you. And it's very hard for you to trust what I'm saying because everybody you've ever trusted has hurt you. You see yourself? Why don't you come and trust the only one who is good, the only one who is gracious. You can get a brand new start. You can be set free from your spiritual bondage. And in this moment, who do you see? You see yourself? Do you see those that you will encounter this week that may be in those categories? Lord, I pray that in this moment you would speak to our hearts. God, for some whose hearts are closed, would you open it right now? Those that are resisting, those that are unwilling to let go of pride or respectability in order to acknowledge that there's nothing in us that would draw you to us. God, would you show us the, the offer of salvation through Christ. Open our eyes, open our hearts. God, would you give us the grace to lift up our eyes and to see those that are in these categories that we traffic in every day. Give us boldness and courage to open our mouths so that you can open hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. No matter what your story is, your need really isn't any different from either Lydia or the abused and hurting girl Pastor Trent was calling Linda. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And we all need to open our eyes to see how God is opening hearts all around us. This has been a powerful reminder from Pastor Trent Griffith here today. Well, I want you to consider this an official invitation for you to visit our church it's called Harvest Bible Chapel, and we meet in both Granger, Indiana and St. Joseph, Michigan. If you look at our website, you'll find a lot of helpful information there, including our service times and locations. Just go to harvestgranger.org or find us on Facebook by looking for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Again, our web address is harvestgranger.org. I hope you can make it for a worship service here soon. Well, next week, Pastor Trent has advice for people whose circumstances are less than ideal. How many of you had a bad week? <laughs> Things not go so great? Anybody dragged through the mall 
on the way to jail. No, so I don't care what your week was like. It was not as bad as these guys. So these guys had a bad week. More excitement from the lives of New Testament missionaries, Paul and Silas, next week on Resonate. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.